Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. My name is Nathan Lear and I'm with my co-host today, Glenn Fairburn. Uh, Glenn and I are both advisors and directors of Hewison Private Wealth, one of Australia's leading independent wealth management firms. Today we will have a discussion around some common investment mistakes that investors will, will often make and some tips to how to um, mitigate those uh, mistakes. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors podcast. Uh, look, firstly, we just wanted to apologize for the sound of our most recent um, episode of the podcast, which was talking about investment tips. Um, look, we, we have taken that episode down, um, so we, we do apologize for that. Um, this week's topic, in some ways, may cross over from, from last week's. Um, so as we said in the intro, this week we want to talk about not investment tips per se, but um, investment common investment mistakes that people make um, when they're either investing in shares or property or, or just managing their wealth in general. Um, so I suppose to dive right in there and kick things off, the, at, at the top of my list, Nathan, as far as mistakes that I, you know, I hear people make or, or, or see them make, I think it's trying to pick the best time to invest, whether that's shares or property. You just hear it time and time again, um, whether it's in media circles or, or just in sort of social circles, people saying, oh, you know, if we're talking about the equity market, the US market's been in a 10-year bull run. How much longer can it go? Surely it's going to crash. I'm going to sit on the on the sidelines and wait for that crash to happen, and um, I'll, I'll just try and pick the best time to invest. Um, but I, I suppose, as we've said a number of times, Nathan, it's it's what we call time in the market and not time in the market, isn't it? I mean, do you, do you feel that like people always fall back into the the old trap where they they'd sort of sit on the sidelines and try and pick the best time? to invest as opposed to just saying, look, I'm in this for the long haul. I know there's going to be upward and downward movements of the market. I'm not going to worry about that. But everyone's just trying to pick the next crash or they see that the market's just been running hot for so long. And the, yeah, I mean, what, what are your sort of thoughts around that? Is that something that you sort of experience as well? I think we, we've said on this podcast before and, and I'll say it again that pretty much nobody out there in the world can predict what a market will do. No, it, not consistently anyway. Yeah, you might get the odd guy that, you know, his claim to pick the um the the global financial crisis ten years ago, or the you know where the U where it all started in the U.S. with a credit bubble, and um you know maybe one or two guys will pick it, but it's so hard to pick directions of markets because there's so many moving parts to it. So um it's almost impossible to to do so. So that's why um you know we subscribe to the that long term investment view, um because yeah otherwise it's it's just fraught with danger and and. A thing I actually heard this morning, which is probably timely to make make note of it, is every every um, investment class will through, throughout probably your lifetime will have a fifty percent correction. Yeah, you know, like equity markets had it. Um, you know, whether uh, you know, the the bond market had a big fall in and the nineties. Not not so much in our market. Even though, having said that, if you look at the Perth market, there has been property values that have fallen by 50%. So it does happen in property as well. Yeah, it can happen in pretty much any any asset class. I'm sure I'll look back through history and you'll you'll find that it happens. So if you're on the wrong side of that, um, so if you're if you make a call or, or put all your wealth in that particular asset class and 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 
you're on the wrong side of it, it can significantly hurt you. But I think it's also when we talk about time in the market versus timing the market, you know, the, the, the stats that come up around the fact that 80% of the time the markets are up. So that, that puts it in your favor that you're better off being invested. But the other statistic, um, which more so relates to the equity market, is that you know, it, it's, not, it's not a consistent return that you get from the equity market every day. Like some days it's up, some days it's down. And 50, I think 50% of the time the market's up and 50% of the days, sorry, the market's down. So of all the trading days on, on the ASX, half of them might be positive days and half of them might be negative. And if, but if you're out of the market for those days where you get the biggest gains, you can, you can sacrifice a significant portion of your return. So trying to pick the best time to invest, you just can't consistently do it. Like it's, it's, it's dangerous and it's near on impossible, isn't it? Yep, definitely. The other thing is, um, which I suppose relates a lot in more recent times to our podcast about, um, about Bitcoin and, and, and cryptocurrencies and things, but I think people struggle if you're looking at mistakes that people make the differentiation between speculation and investing because there is there is a pretty clear difference between those two i mean investing is identifying a good asset whether that's shares or property or or an alternative type asset and holding it for the long term and and obviously trying to get um, some cash flow and and a positive return over a long period of time whereas speculation perhaps is just punting on something like it's almost like gambling it might just be a you know, a new technology company or a mining company that you've got a hot tip from, people tend to use, I suppose, speculation as, as a way to invest. But that, that often more so leads to losses than gains, doesn't it? People just taking a punt on something that they don't even really understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've, we, we dedicated a podcast uh, on, on kind of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, I think it was last year. And yeah. that was definitely the, the, the craze at the time where a lot of you know, mums and dads and everybody really thought they could make a quick dollar, do, quick dollar off it. Um, you know, we all know investing is a long-term thing where you build steady, steady wealth, um, you know, compound interest, it takes time. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, you know, we, we subscribe to the, to the investing versus speculating. And it goes back, I mean, I think we talked about on, on that podcast, um, you know, about the, the tulip bubble in the yeah, it's just in the Netherlands. Time and time again. It's all speculation, isn't it? Yeah, there's. I mean, people get carried away with the frenzy and think there's the next big thing. And I mean, it can happen um, also to a lesser degree. There are a couple of extreme examples, but just just with um, any market, whether it's a property market or a share market, markets can def- people can definitely start to you know follow that herd and and bid up the price of an asset. Um, which can make it overvalued and then it can suffer a correction after that. Yeah, I think people sort of get tempted for the possibility of high returns, but I've had a number of clients over the years that have taken a bit of a punt on on certain stocks and I I reckon there's been more times where they've lost money than actually made money Um, and and that can put a sort of a pretty sour taste in a lot of people's mouths when it comes to investing and I think that in particular when you look at share investing, a lot of people are put off because maybe the only experience that they've had is, is has been a speculative type investment that's gone bad and they view that as almost like the nature of share investing, which it really isn't. Um, so I think that's probably a pretty common mistake that people make. It's speculating on a particular investment or asset as opposed to doing the research, understanding an investment and buying quality and, and benefiting from, from the returns. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And which kind of leads into, I might mention another one, Glenn, I think ties in well now, is just not having a, a plan. Um, yeah. So investing, 
without a plan. And what I mean by that is almost like a scattergun type approach. Yeah, just I've got some money here. I'll just I think uh, it's a good idea to buy some shares or, or that property. I'll go and buy it. So, firstly, the the first point I'd make there is not not understanding your goals and objectives. So so why are you investing? Um, you know what's the what's the purpose? What are you trying to do? Is this how old are you? That that, that will dictate dictate um, p- perhaps the, the the particular type of investments you choose. So I think. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of make point of that. I think having a, you know, before anybody invests, whether they sit down with a, a financial advisor or a professional uh, or even if they're a self-investor, just map out their own their own plan. Yeah. Uh, and that can be things such as um, a bit of a framework. So that could be the uh, the, the asset allocation, um, which might be driven once again by <laughs> the attitudes toward risk or their age, how close retirement is. So yeah, having a plan is, is quite important. Yeah, so not having a strategy is probably one step towards failure, isn't it? Whereas you were saying, if you don't have that strategy, you're probably more inclined to have that investment scattergun approach where you're just throwing money at different things and just crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. And then perhaps if, if the cycle or the markets move against you, that's where you're panicking. Because one of the things I had down here that a lot of people get carried away with, which in some ways relates to speculation, is that one of the keys to investing is obviously buying low and selling high. But one of the big mistakes that people make is buying high and then selling low. So they buy when there's all that euphoria and all that excitement because the markets are going up, whether it's tech stocks, Bitcoin, you know, medicinal marijuana at the moment is a big one. Um, they sort of buy lithium, on the way up. Lithium stocks, lithium that's another hot stocks, one. <laughs> all that sort of stuff, you know, all, all those sort of hot themes. They buy on the way up, they have that excitement because everyone else is doing it. And then the company's share prices fall, the investment value falls, and they sort of get into that panic mode where they think, oh no, you know, it's worth now less than what I invested, and they panic and they sell, and that's how you lose money. I mean, it's pretty simple when you, when you, when you sort of sit back and look at it from the outside, where if you buy high and sell low, you're going to lose money, but so many people do it because they panic, where essentially you should be doing the opposite thing. Well, one, buy and hold for a long period of time and understand what you're investing in. Um, but not panicking just when something goes against you in a very short period of time. Yeah, and, and, and quite often the, the main reason people do that is to chase performance and often they're, they're – and, and we, we often talk about with our clients that, yes, performance is important, but it shouldn't be your number one driver. You shouldn't be focusing – there's a lot of other things to consider when you invest, not just performance. And, and quite often um, people do look at yesterday's winners. So – you know, there's that whole uh, kind of fear of missing out. Um, yeah. You know, whether it is that, you know, that uh, the Bitcoin or a lithium stock or or whatever they they see the performance over the past couple of years or whatever, even the last six months, and they they want to take part in that. And and quite often that can be the worst possible time to invest in something when it's just had that huge run up. So. Well, quite often the next year is the opposite, isn't it? Like stocks that have, or sectors that have underperformed one year are probably sometimes the better performers the next year. And the reverse is the same where you have a, a hot run on a particular sector and quite often because of profit taking by the smart investors, that pushes that sector down the following year. That, that's um, right. De- definitely a great point. I think the smart investors are usually the ones that lock in the profit and, and, uh, and, and get out. And at the end of the day, you know, there's a winner or there's, a, there's someone on the end of every trade. So if yeah, somebody's right. buying it, someone's selling it. So uh, why is that person selling it? They're probably, they might have doubled their money or you know, made X amount of times on their money. So... You just got to think about, uh, you know, when you're getting into an asset, what what price are you paying? And yeah, yeah. And, and that that relates to another point that I that I wrote down here as far as investment mistakes following the herd. Just because the masses are doing it doesn't mean that it's the right decision to be making. Um, and, and I suppose property is a pretty 
um, key example of that, maybe in the last five to 10 years, where if you didn't have an investment property, you're almost a leper. Like everyone had one. Um, and there was that sort of herd mentality where you, I think people just feel safe, safety in numbers, but because everyone else is doing it, there's a fear of missing out. But you also, I suppose, have that sense of safety because so many people are doing it. But quite often, it's the smart investors that are sitting on the sidelines, isn't it? And, and are looking for the opportunities where the market goes against the herd, um, whether that's in the property market at the moment, if we're seeing a downturn, and that if there is a significant downturn, that's where the smart money will then come onto the scene where everyone else is panicking, following that herd on the way out, you know, believing all the, all the um, uh, paranoia and so forth that's in the media at the moment, um, and, and the same with the equity market. So I think following the herd is probably one another key mistake that a lot of people make with yeah. investing. Yeah, and I think, uh, uh, I guess, linked to that um, is, is, is people that follow the, follow the outside, outside noise too much and, and listen to too much of the... The mass guess, media, the, the press that that's yeah. the kind of being bombarded. We're being bombarded within our, in our face, whether it's you know the TV, radio, newspapers, social media. Um, there, there's so much noise out there and distraction, and we, we often talk about you know turn, turning down the noise, turning off the noise, and um, you know have a have a plan like we spoke about earlier. Have a plan, have an investment plan that's appropriate for you, and stick to that. And you know, if that means that everybody's talking about the next big thing and, and you miss out on a, a bit of that run-up in the short term but it could be due for a fall after that, well, that's okay because you've got a plan and that's going to achieve your goals and objectives and you'll stick to that. Yeah. We spoke about um, obviously not trying to time the market and and I suppose th- this does relate to that in, in some ways but I suppose right now if we look at equity markets in, in general and um, in some ways the reluctance for some people to buy shares because they look at in particular the US market that's been on in this 10 year bull run I think a mistake that people make is waiting for the crash because I mean you know the last couple of years there's been a lot of assumptions that have been made around you know the equity market being fully valued or expensive and there's going to be this crash now if you were sitting on the sidelines for the last two or three years you would have missed out on on returns so do, do you feel that like people get caught up with that too much and they and they they think that the market moves in cycles or within a particular band and just because the market's gone up consistently for 10 years, at some point it's going to fall you know, to the same extent that what it did in the GFC where it fell 50%. Do you reckon people have that fear that the longer something goes on, the closer we are to, a, to a, maybe a correction or a crash and therefore don't invest at all? Yeah, look, possibly, I think that that can go both ways. I think there's definitely those people that look at something and have uh, and have been well. It's been, I'll say, it's been going yeah. up for X amount of years. I want to, uh, I'm not going to invest, which may or may not be a smart thing to do. Then you've got the other people that uh, get carried away with the hype, and well, it's been doing 10 percent for the last five years. I'd be I'd be crazy not to invest yeah. in it. So, yeah. um, you know, the psychology of investors can can drive them to make poor decisions and. I keep coming back to once again, if you, if you have a plan, um, an investment strategy that, that says invest X amount in equities and uh, even if equities have had a, a good bull, bull run over the past 10 years, well, you should perhaps still allocate a portion of your portfolio to that market. And that's where the active rebalancing comes into it, doesn't it? Where if you've got that strategy that you were saying is so important from, the, from you know, absolute day one, if you've got the strategy and you've allocated a certain amount of your wealth across those different asset classes and then stick to that, that's where you can take profits on the way up, but that you've also got that resource so that if the markets do fall, you can take advantage of that as well. Um, and that's where 
I suppose when things are going well, it's hard to t- make those decisions, isn't it? Mm. But you've got to take the emotion out of it and just say, no, I've got my strategy. The important thing is to stick to it because that's what's going to protect your wealth. Mm. And yeah, you might forego a little bit of return in the short term. Like if, if you're taking profits from something that, that's going up and it continues to go up, um, you are going to be foregoing a little bit of performance. But in some ways, that's the insurance you pay to protect yourself against the downside. So once again, it just reinforces the the importance of having a strategy, but also the risk of not having one and, and the big mistake that you can make by not sticking to that strategy. Yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of people do the right thing and set up a, a financial plan. But um, I guess ongoing, they don't rebalance that portfolio. So they so they might do the tick, you know, for the first part, see an advisor, set up a plan, whatever it might be, but they they don't do that ongoing rebalancing. And that, that is so important because... Um, I mean, we've we've seen it many times where we see a client and and they might invest. I mean, we we often talk about um, pre pre GFC uh, pre global financial crisis when we had a lot of clients that might have had um, a, a big equity portfolio and you know a lot of stocks had done really well for them in the preceding five years and and they were very very reluctant to take profits because you know why once again the mindset why would I take profits? It's paying okay income. It's been growing strongly. Why would I sell it? But um, once again, it's all about uh, following following that plan, uh, managing the level of risk. So definitely rebalancing is, is a very important thing to do. I think also if, if we're looking at investment mistakes that people make, sometimes it can be not taking enough risk. And I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that a little bit further, but I think that the fear of market volatility or fluctuations in asset values can can have a lot of people perhaps sitting... And what I mean by not taking enough risk, you're just sitting on too much cash and, and they don't consider the inflationary risk that, that is is possible over a long period of time. And if you have money just sitting in the bank, you might think that your capital's preserved and protected, but you have to consider the fact that things are getting more expensive. So over a period of time, the real value of your money is actually being eroded, isn't it, by inflation? So a big mistake that people make is by sitting on too much cash for too long um, and perhaps not having a more productive portfolio that doesn't doesn't necessarily have to generate double-digit returns. But I think at a bare minimum, you have to have at least a portion of your assets invested in growth investments like shares and property to help you offset the impacts of inflation over time because that can be a real killer over a long period of time, can't it? Yeah, I mean, and to break that down, I, I suppose the, the numbers... Um, record low interest rate environment so you're lucky to get say in Australia probably lucky to get 2% on cash probably yeah. less than that yeah. so and inflation is yeah probably probably higher than that at the moment I'm not sure the exact that exact figure at the moment they're probably fairly similar aren't yeah. they so you're really going nowhere so you're not you're probably going slightly backwards or not growing your wealth so but then if you're living off it like if you're a retiree and and you need that income to well, live that's off that's the issue isn't it like you, you draw, yeah. you're, you're drawing down on that which perhaps the interest rate that you're getting might be offsetting inflation but if you need to live off something you, you, that's when you're really going backwards De- definitely so if you're drawing that that two percent let's say you've got multi-millions of dollars in you and and that two percent is enough for you to live off well then i mean that's okay you can live off that income but yeah in real terms your capital base 100 percent is going to be going backwards so um yeah look i think that's that's a that's a good point and people you know, definitely need to consider that no, but just on that point i mean i said not taking enough risk but it's it's a matter of not taking i suppose the the other extension of not taking enough risk could be another mistake could be taking too much risk 
So I think it's it's really that balancing act, isn't it? Like finding somewhere in the middle that can generate the return for you to meet your requirements, short, medium, longer term, without exposing yourself to too much risk. Because that's how you can protect your capital at the end of the day, isn't it? And yeah, you could potentially do better with a more aggressive portfolio, but you've got to, I suppose, question the merits of that, don't you? And that's where it all comes back to. Like, what are your objectives here? Like, what is it that you want to achieve? Is it just, you know, the the um, the satisfaction of looking at a growing asset base or is it to actually achieve your objective? So that that's where that objective-based approach really comes into play, doesn't it? Like you have to have the strategy that's specifically tailored to what it is that you want to achieve and not worry about comparing the return that you're getting with, you know, some industry fund that perhaps, you know, is putting 90% of their assets in, in growth-type investments. Yeah, they might be outperforming, but what risk are they taking to to achieve that? Would you agree that it's important yeah. to sort of get somewhere in the middle? Look, I think, that, yeah, that's a fair comment and definitely agree it comes back to to the objectives of the individual um, because, you know, quite often um, you know, at people's stage of life will often drive, have, have, be a big driver of, of their investment objectives. So, you know, the younger you are, you, you know, you're happy to take that, take that. You might have, firstly, you might have less money invested. So, a big market fall There's has not as much to lose, is less there? of an impact on you, um, and then you've got the time. If a bad market event does happen, you're in growth assets. You've got the time to, I guess, recover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when people, the opposite are at the older stage of the the, the latter stages of their lives, perhaps and living off the um, the investment income, a big fall, they might not be able to handle it. Now, would that you know? Once again, I'll, I'll come back to that point. Could you, if you've got multi multi millions of dollars, and, and let's say you can get two percent of the bank, and that is enough. It, it, you know, would you just leave it in cash? Um, you know, firstly, would you want your money going backwards? Like, once again, that's an object. If, if the individual is happy for their money, capital to actually go backwards, well, maybe that's okay for them. But I think you know, human nature is generally you want to you want to grow your wealth, so you perhaps want to include some exposure to um, you know some other income producing or at least assets. maintain purchasing power. Yeah. Like your your objective yeah. may not be to you may be happy with the net wealth that you've got. Um, but it may be just maintaining that because if you don't do anything, it's go- as we were saying before, it's going backwards, isn't it? So you need to yeah. at least invest it, a part of it productively so that you're, you're at least maintaining the net value of your asset base in, in real terms. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no magic formula it's, um, in terms of how, how to invest the money. I mean, people, not, people often ask us, you know, how, how I've got a bit of money, how should I invest it? And uh, usually it's a... <laughs> It's a it's a boring answer, but we usually say we, we need to understand your goals and objectives because that's that's going to drive everything. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, well, look on on that note. I mean, we've probably covered off on a, on a lot a lot of things here today. Um, so so just to sort of rehash some of the investment mistakes that we I suppose see people making. Um, it's trying to time market. So you know instead of setting up a portfolio and holding it for the long term and accepting the volatility and fluctuation in asset values. It's trying to pick the best time to invest. Um, speculating, so we spoke about the difference between speculation and investing and the risk involved in, in taking a punt on, on any investment. Um, the dangers of following the herd, so within any cycle, there's always going to be excitement or paranoia about a particular asset class or segment of an asset class. So try, obviously try and avoid that. Um, the human nature where people, I suppose, unfortunately buy high and sell low, where they once again follow the herd, get excited by the movements of an asset value and so buy on the way up, but then get fearful on the way down and don't want to lose any more money, so sell out. Um, we, we also spoke about perhaps not taking enough risk, maybe being too conservative and the implications of that. 
from an inflationary perspective where the real value of your asset base may in fact be eroded over time. Um, but then balance that off with perhaps people who take too much risk with their portfolio. Um, so Nathan, did you, you had one more thing to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I mean, investing investing money in any investment, it, it's, a very, it's an emotional thing and, and often people let the emotion get in the way. Um, the psychology of investing, you know, there's numerous books written on it, studies, studies completed on it. So I suppose trying to be as objective as you can with your investment decisions and, and whether that means uh, you know, having a professional advisor to help you guide you through that process. Um, you know, for example, a couple, couple of examples of that is a lot of people will buy an investment and then, then let's say it underperforms, they don't they won't sell it until it gets to break even like they'll just yeah. have in their head I've, I don't want to lose money on it and they might not ever get back even that, though there might be something that's got a better potential mm. for upside yeah so they uh, want to crystallize the loss yeah so that's why if you have an independent person working with you for example or, or you can look at it objectively you might say well I'm down I'm down 50% that thing is never coming back I'd yeah. rather put that that capital somewhere else to try and start making some some better returns um, and I mean, a lot of people often talk about, um, it's good to reinforce this point because I think a lot of people forget it. If you lose, um, if you lose money, so if you, um, you need to double, we've spoken about this podcast, but you need to double the percentage return to get back to break even. Yeah, so if so, something halves in value, you basically need 100%, 100%. return to get so back to break even. So if you've got $100 and it falls 50% to $50, it needs to make 100% on that 50 to get back to the 100. So... Yeah. Um, you know, just just I think emotion does drive a lot of people's investment decisions. So, just really important to to have that objective opinion and, and, and work with perhaps a professional advisor. Great. Well, look, thanks for that, Nathan. And look, thanks to all our listeners uh, for this week. Once again, apologise for last week's episode, um, but we hope you enjoyed um, this week's discussion. Thanks again. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.